0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our friends at Ditch Bass Edge Television is on Wild TV in Canada and the Versus Network now through June of 2008. This is Outdoors Dan, my co-host Aaron Martin and I. We're going to be checking in with Angler FLW Pro Sean Hornkey this week. Aaron, what do you think about old Mr. Hornkey? He's on a roll,
1: isn't he? Yeah, old oh, Sean, man. He, I tell you what, he's not only going to share uh, how he really distanced himself from the competition in that most recent Lake Norman tournament, but uh, also is going to provide our listeners a lot of great information for those, you know, we've had a lot of questions as, on how to get into this sport, what to do, and he really... Lays out a uh, kind of a roadmap on that, and then we get to join Bob Lusk a little bit later.
0: All right, well, we'll have all that and a lot more for you guys right here on the Edge.
2: You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches on Experience the Revolution. Uh oh, look here, I got one, I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he
3: whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish, nice. good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa! look at that saw gun, man, that's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable.
0: right, welcome to The Edge, Outdoor's Dan Aaron Martin, and you just had the big old concert of your life, didn't
1: (laughs) you? Yeah, we went from uh, hot weather to more hot weather, had the ability to go down and uh, film with Denny Brower down on the Cajun coast, which was fantastic, and then uh, went over from there to the Bama Jam and hung out uh, with about 120,000 country music fans, Uh, actually bluegrass country music, Uh, you know, anytime you can have uh, Hank Williams Jr. and ZZ Top and Miranda Lambert all in the same place—you know you're living life well. So.
0: And uh, how was Mister Brower doing? was having fun. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. You know it was. Um, we put in, uh, of course, the chafalaya in that the Cajun Coast down there. It's just amazing. I mean, wait till you see this on on camera. But just the amounts of water that is down there, and uh, you know, all I can say is thank goodness for GPS because there was just water, water everywhere. Uh, Very, very hot. You know, I think we've kind of put uh, to rest some of the the myths that uh, bass do not hold in shallow water when you've got, you know, extreme hot weather conditions. The water temperature was in the upper 80s, and uh, we were catching fish uh, out of the shallows. Obviously, you'll probably never guess what we were doing, but we were flipping, believe it or not. I know that's hard to believe uh, coming from Denny Brower, but uh, it was it was just a great time. Well, there
0: you go. And a lot of stuff going on. DVDs are going out this week. Uh, the new Fishing on the Edge t-shirts are coming up,
1: huh? Yeah, they're coming up. Uh, they Those have just been shipped. We actually debuted those down at the Bama Jam, and those went over extremely well. Uh, so those will be hitting uh, the website shortly, probably within the uh, the next week or so. And and I know uh, Don and the gang has some, some specials on those. Just a, a lot of good stuff coming out, you know. And with uh, kind of summer being upon us, it's you know, you can't forget that it's, there's still plenty of fish to be caught out there, too.
0: Yeah, there you go. What's this I hear about Arden real?
1: This is the time of year that, you know, you kind of hit the summer, and uh, a lot of people are, are fishing fishing. Uh, fishing quite a bit, but they're also doing some vacationing and just kind of chilling out for the summer, and, uh, you know, of course, we have their full lineup of, of reels uh, on the website, but we also have those their cleaning kits, which, um, you know, now's a good time to kind of do that semi-annual cleaning. Uh, it works on any brand of reel. It doesn't have to just be Ardent Reels, but uh, all, this, all the good stuff is in there, both the uh, real butter and the real grease and and all the tools to do that so uh you know if you haven't had a chance to get on the website and check that out please do so
0: well i'll tell you what folks we're going to run and take our first break we're going to throw right back to sean Herky, and when we come back we're going to talk about everything else right here on the edge
2: Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard.
3: It's simple to install, and we can
2: now beach our boat anywhere.
1: If you own a boat, you need one of these.
2: MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps.
3: Kit started under $140. And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
0: Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
2: Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches on establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility.
1: All right, welcome back to The Edge, and joining us is FLW Touring Pro, Sean Hernke. Sean, uh, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge again.
4: Hey, Aaron, how are you? It's good to,
1: good to be back. Uh, man, it's great. You know, we're, we're in the midst of uh, of summertime fishing, and and actually just happy to have you on here. And, you know, since we last talked, there's, there's been a, a few things that have changed, in in your, both your personal life and also your fishing career, I think it comes to mind that maybe you won a, a tournament between... Uh now and then <laughs>
4: so. yeah that was a uh, that was a, a great week you know i think it's been about a month ago now at uh, the flw tour stop uh, the national guard open and uh, lake norman and came out ahead on that one that was a great week of fishing and man I, it was just uh it, everything went right as, as you know to, to win a national event or, or any event even it, it doesn't matter what tournament it is it, it, everything has to go your way and it just had you know you can't lose a fish and, and things just have to run perfect and That week was my week, and and it's a week that I won't soon forget, I can tell you that. I'd like to spend just a a second on that because, you know, that was a pretty unique win. Um, You know,
1: obviously the the FLW, uh, just like BASS, is packed full of just phenomenal anglers. But you won, you you separated yourself uh, both distance-wise and and just kind of you picked up on some techniques that that some of the other field didn't. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on what took place and really what put you in the winner's circle?
4: Yeah, you know, I had a couple of different patterns going into that event, and and uh, we had a short short practice for that event. You know, we had the uh, the the PAA Toyota Texas Bass Classic and, and that ran into our practice schedule, so I didn't get up there till and had maybe about two days of practice, and and so I had to kind of get on things quick. And I found a kind of a a deal on docks you know, swimming a jig in the early morning, and 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 then I also just found them sight fishing and uh, and just behind docks and and corners and post of docks, and they were they were bedding behind there and. And uh, the first morning of the tournament just was, you know, there's always that key thing that you find when you win an event or or have a lot of success or or make a cut or something that that kind of throws you into that realm of of what you figure out that makes you successful in that particular event. And for me, it was really the first day of the tournament. And and I had a a shad spawn deal on docks, swimming, a jigger in the early morning. And the first morning of the tournament, I ran up there expecting to get two or three bites off of a dock. And... And man, the, the shad were spawning, and the bass were going nuts. And and I, and I had a, caught a real good bag right off the bat, and that kind of set me up to not really go to my my fish that I'd found on the beds the second day. And and uh, I just kind of started fishing. And by then, I already had about 12 pounds, which was a pretty decent bag at Norman for that week. And so I I just started covering a lot of water and I was passing up a lot of two, two and a half pound fish and only would key on like a three pounder. and By the end of the day, I, I've covered miles and miles of water and ended up pulling out about every fish that I'd caught off the docks and ended up with like 15 pounds the first day. And that really gave me the confidence to figure out and find out that, hey, if I, if I just really, you know, buckle down every day and just fish for quality and pass up all the, you know, smaller fish, you know, I can catch a decent bag every single day. And that was really the defining moment that, that set the pace for that event. So you pretty much just, just put
1: the trolling motor down and went after what you knew it, it was going to take to basically win it.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, and I found a little, little key subtleties in, in that, you know, a lot of the better quality fish, it was the second wave of the spawn there. and A lot of times what you'll find and, and the way you can tell what phase of the spawn the fish are in is a lot of times your very first round of spawning fish will spawn in the very backs of pockets you'll notice. And and then as, as time progresses and gets a little warmer, and the second wave comes in, they'll start spawning out a little bit farther, and, and maybe even on points and more, you know, not so far back in the coves. And and that's what what was happening there. When I when I first arrived there, I noticed there were fish kind of all over the banks, not just in the back. So I knew that the, usually when that happens, your better quality you will be closer to the main lake. And that was something I found out. I caught a lot of fish. On points and, and main lake things and, and little short pockets, and whereas most of the other 199 guys were fishing way back in the pockets and in, in the creeks and, and catching the two pounders, and and Norman the three pounder was just a jewel. And and that ultimately you ended up winning by. Several pounds, right? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was something like seven pounds, which was after two days in the finals. And I think you know that's a giant weight for that lake, and and uh, you know to win by. I think it was something like that, four or seven, something like that. And then that was just uh, that blew me away to win by because everybody else second through tenth was ounces, you know. So so that was that was just kind of an icing on the cake a little bit. Well, and I think that you know plays well into
1: exactly you know, for instance, on Bass Edge, uh, Dr. Jay McNamara through the In the Zone and kind of his book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, talks about uh, making those decisions, and obviously, you know that that played a, a huge role in that victory.
4: Yeah, exactly, and, and there you know there's a lot to be said for that, and and that's kind of I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that for some strange reason when I when I get in that groove, I just I feel so confident when I make those cuts and. You know, I, I haven't made as many cuts as a lot of guys over the years, but, you know, there's a lot more, a lot of guys out there have made tons more top tens than me, but a lot of top tens have never won. And for me, I, I'm kind of the opposite. It's like when, when I make a cut, there's something that goes off in my head that I just get so super confident and, and, and I feel like I have found the deal. And that's I think the real reason why I won that tournament was just strictly my head was screwed on so right that week. I felt like I just felt like honestly in, in myself that, that that I had the right deal and I was doing the right thing that week. And I didn't even have a place to go to every morning when I woke up. I mean it was the last morning of the tournament and I looked around and I didn't know where I was gonna start. So <laughs> And, and to be able to fish but that was the beauty of it for me. I mean, was to just be able to go out and fish pure every single day and and, and make it come together on the fly every single day. And that, that was really to me personally, it wasn't about the money or anything like that or even the win. It was just to be able to, to to fish and perform that way. That's what tournament fishing to me is all about. Well, and and I think you bring up a good point, Sean, and
1: you know, a lot of times, granted, don't get me wrong, uh the win itself and, and the money obviously are uh are, are very rewarding, but personal satisfaction, you know, when things go well and you're able to do that and it comes together, that's a hard feeling to replace.
4: Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm such a, you know, th- I think there's different guys out there. You know, there's some guys that are just so naturals at, at fishing that are on the tour and, and they love to fish and, and they just, and that's how they go out. They just go out and fish every day. Me, I've always been kind of the opposite. I, I've been a guy that just loves to compete you know, if, if you look back at what I do, I mean, I, I race motorcycles, I, I fish tournaments, I've done the Field and Stream Total Outdoorsman Challenge. I don't, I mean, I, I don't care what it is. I play rock, scissors, paper. I just, I love to compete and that's what it is to me. I mean, I love bass fishing. I love what it's all about and I pursue it every single day to get better personally. But for me, I just love the competition and, and how my mind works and what I learn about myself through, you know, my actions on the water. And, and that's what makes the victory to me. So... You know, memorable.
1: You know, and, and, and shifting gears a little bit, Sean, uh, you're bringing up the competition and, and just kind of your personal history. We, we, we've gotten a lot of questions, you know, for beginning anglers that are, are entering into the sport uh, concerning that. And you're a little bit different because you started uh, really right out of, of high school slash college era. And uh, you made some decisions that obviously have put you kind of in the driver's seat. Could you set the stage, you know, for us, to walking up up to present day, uh, on how you got into the sport, and then we'll kind of take it from there, and, and maybe offer some advice on what you've learned compared to things that you've went through, and what your recommendations are for those uh, who are wanting to get into this.
4: Yeah, you know, you know, I, I was at five years old. I was starting to compete racing motorcycles all the way through high school, and it was getting to the point where we had to kind of make a choice of you know by 16 17 years old that's when your racing career you start racing full you know professionally and and you know all, all my buddies and everybody was getting broken up and hurt and and I was looking at you know and you're done by the time you're in your upper 20s and I looked into this fishing gig and I thought man that's pretty cool for a guy to go win a lot of money to just to go catch a fish and, and, and it doesn't look like you're going to get hurt near his bad. <laughs> so you know that that was so I, I took off with it and just just absorbed everything And I think that's what I try to tell a lot of younger guys in that is, I mean, every piece of media I could get my hands on, I was just absorbing and and learning and and trying to get better, and every free minute I had, I was on the water. And for someone getting started who looks to get a career in this sport, you know, I get so many questions asked all the time. How do I get sponsors? How do I get, you know, I want to get this. And, and, And really the important thing when you get started is learning how to fish and become as good as you can fishing. You know, there's a time for when you want to get to that sponsor level. But when you get out there, man, focus hard on the fishing because that's what it counts. And and when you fish good and you get those results, the sponsors are going to come because that's what they're looking for. And in time, as as you progress, you're going to learn what companies you believe in. You know, like for me, it was Skeeter Yamaha. I mean, that was a company that I, you know, I love the boat. That's the boat that I ran when I was in, in high school and college. And therefore, I learned that, man, I love this product. And then I started to build that relationship with them, and, and it progressed. And, and I'm still with them today, and, and hopefully with them for years and years of the rest of my career, if possible, because I love their product and what they stand for and what they believe in. And and that's what I think is a good mesh, what you're looking for in a sponsor, is, is you're forming a relationship with them, and, and you're working for them to help give them ideas and product development, and you're out there to to basically help them be a spokesperson for their product. And, and so, you know, for people getting started, hey, you know, go out there and, and learn who you are on the water, and then the sponsors will come later. Well, and, and speaking about, you know, figuring out how to fish
1: first, you know, quite honestly, this is 2008. I mean, we're at a time in our economy to where, you know we've got four to five dollar gas prices depending upon you know where you're located geographically um, how do you how can you combat that against trying to manage a budget let's say for a beginning angler do you recommend learning how to fish on your local waters to, to help save money do you recommend you know traveling as much as possible um, any thoughts there
4: yeah I mean it, it, each person is kind of on a case day by case basis because every all of us have different you know situations but I mean, the bottom line is, first and foremost, fish. I mean, even if it's at a small lake by your house. But on the same note, you, you have to be, you know, versatile. I mean, for us, you have to, you know, if you're going to do this for a living, you have to be able to catch smallmouth on Lake Erie just as good as you can catch a largemouth in, in flipping mats in Florida. And so you still have to branch out, and you have to be smart. You know, for some people, that right way is, is to form a business for themselves and, and, you know, away from fishing when you get started. and and i mean there's a lot of guys that have been successful that way you know go out there and find something that the business can run while you're gone and it doesn't have to be huge but something that earns you a little income while you're on the road and you know there's there's a, there's a lot of different avenues you just have to be smart financially That's the real key. You know, when I got out on the road out of college, I didn't have any money. I had nothing. I had a van with 200,000 miles on it. I got to be a great mechanic. But, you know, I was very, you know, I I went to Lake Fork and I guided, you know, went between events and made enough money to get by. But I was determined enough. and, And I didn't buy new vehicles. I didn't go out and buy a brand new big house. I lived very frugally. And I had very low overhead, and that's what allowed me, because it's going to take you several years to, to a point where you're going to be successful when you hit the tour. You're, you, odds on hand, you're not just going to step out on the big tour and be and become a superstar overnight. And, and that's where that plan
1: comes into place. You can't just look at it from a one-year situation. You, go, you have to have really a, a realistic plan in place that's going to last with you until you... Are able to step into kind of that successful
4: exactly, and that and that's where I said, you know, when I got out of, when I when I first you know graduated from Texas A and M, I I got out there and I said I'm going to give it three years and then assess where I'm at in that point, you know, then you have to kind of be realistic about yourself. You got it, but you can't just expect to go gung ho. I've seen so many guys come and go in my seven years on the tour that had the talent but just didn't have the plan, and that's the key. You have to look at this as a business. If you were to start a big business and you went to a bank to get a loan, they're going to ask for a business plan, right? and that's what you have to have when you come out here. You have to look at it. You have to give, your time, give yourself time to succeed, and that's the key out here, and that's why when you see guys come in and then leave, it's because they didn't set themselves up financially correctly, and, you know, they sometimes they simply just overspent, and then they got in a, in a little bit of a, of a situation and had to back back out. And it's going to take you time to be successful. And the sponsors, they you know, they want to see you come out there and, and, and do well for a few seasons before they're going to represent you and want to become a part and, and build a relationship with you. And that's just the whole key is to me. And that was the thing I told myself every night before I went to bed is, I've got to give myself time to succeed. Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, speaking of a plan, you're involved, you're now on the board with uh, the PAA, which stands for the Professional Anglers Association that puts on uh, the Toyota Texas Bass Classic uh, each year. You know, we are, quite frankly, we are in a sport to where there's all different levels of which you choose to participate, and that's the beauty of it. But your involvement in that, really that's kind of what that organization stands for, is, is coming up with a system that really... Uh, facilitates the angler in their development uh, in regards to competition?
4: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's it's great to be a big part of the PAA. It's something I truly believe in. And, and, and I feel like for the professional level, angler all the way on down as time progresses, this is going to be an organization that is really going to play a key pivotal role in the future of our sport. And, and I'm I'm so proud and happy to be a part of it, and we're working very diligently to build it. And, and we want to incorporate, we want this organization to be something that really and truly boosts the sport of bass fishing, and that's really what it's about.
1: And, you know, in our last last closing minute, eventually I think you're going to, to see some things within that organization to where perhaps uh, it kind of wraps in, you know, both young, old, it doesn't matter gender-wise, but really it it helps drive home uh, kind of a uh, a direction of where the angler
4: needs to go to be able to succeed you know in this environment that we live in exactly and and that's what we're working on presently and that's what you're going to see in the future and and you know, if if, and, and if people want to learn more about it, they can go to our, you know, our website at fishpaa.com and, and learn more about our organization. There's a lot of things that are going to be going on in the coming months, and, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. And it's going to be a very exciting time. Well, Sean, unfortunately we
1: are out of time, but the good news is uh, I understand that on our schedule we're going to be getting to fish together for uh, Season 3 of Bass Edge, uh, not too far from where you grew up, and that is down on Sam Rayburn. Uh, so I certainly look forward to that. Any closing thoughts or comments before we get out of here?
4: Man, I'm just really looking forward to hitting the lake. You know, last year we went to Erie <laughs> and, and and had a we had a we had a real good time up there. But now I'm real excited because we're going to get to hit the place that I know best, and that's Sam Rayburn. I'm back home in Texas. And and that's just really going to be a lot of fun. But you know, if anybody has any questions about anything, you know, uh, you know, coming up through the sport, any anything like that, um, feel free to you know go to Bassage and, and e- email me. And, uh, and I'll be happy to answer any questions you have, but until then, I, I enjoyed it, Aaron, once again, and, and uh, look forward to fishing with you at Rayburn. Thanks so much, Sean.
0: I tell you what, oh, Sean, you know, that FL tournament on Lake Norman, kind of quintessential for him for the year, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's put him in a, in a great position, obviously, you know, for the year end to, to put him well on his way to the championship, and, you know, Sean is just one of those guys to where obviously, uh, we're close in the same age. He raced motocross, of of course, I had a huge interest in that and did the same thing, but I really got a lot out of, you know, when he talks about, uh, he made the comment of fishing pure, meaning that, you know, because of he had to come out of the PAA event, which was down at the Toyota uh, Texas Bass Classic there in April, was working off of a limited practice, so really didn't have the time that he normally has to prepare for that tournament. But one of the things that he gleaned from, you know, just past experience on Norman is that he really felt that, the weights were going to be really stacked, and obviously they were for places 2 through 10. So he kind of took it upon himself to just go out and figure out how to come up with a a bigger stringer each day. And I think, you know, you you look at that, and starting out the, the, the last day of the tournament and not knowing where you're going to be fishing, Uh, but rather just working a a pattern and knowing that he needed to stay close to the main lake out on the points and rather than get caught up with the numbers of fish back in the pockets, you know, and catching those two-pounders, he really put the trolling motor down and went after exactly what he felt he needed to win, which was, uh, you know, that that critical uh, three-pound bite.
0: Well, and, you know, I like the way he figures out about going into uh, looking for bigger spawning fish than, going and trying to find numbers in the back of
1: the call. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you get at that level, the, the all anglers are very, very good, and they're very versed on what to do. So a lot of times, you know, that, that's a, that can be considered a, a risky move because sometimes you can come up empty by swinging for the fences. But, you know, he really felt like that um, that is what was going to be going on where he needed that bigger bite. And, of course, at the end, the statistics proved it. You know, when he looked at his margin that he won by, there's something to be said about that. And I also... You know, I think any uh, angler, whether you're a formal competitor or just a recreational angler, you know, it, it's, again, we've said many times, it's it's a competition between us and the fish. Uh-huh. And just going out and having all of that come together, like Sean said, it's, of course, the money and, and you know, winning is, is great. But it's just the satisfaction that comes from, you know, following that instinct, like Jay McNamara mentioned so many times here on the Edge uh, and in his book, you know, that is, that's where the satisfaction comes from.
0: Yeah, and I like the way you've talked about having a business plan for your career. So many people ask me about, you know, hey, I want to I do what you do for a living. I want to do TV shows, radio shows, whatever. And I said, well, you know, first off you need to do learn about marketing and business because nobody's going to pay you just to go hunt or fish. It's got to be where it's a marketable
1: Exactly, Dan, and you know, you know as well as I do. We've had a tremendous request uh, for kind of getting that information out there, as, as far as how to how to get involved in this sport beyond just the fishing. And I thought Sean did a great job by kind of letting anglers know that you know, first and foremost, get your fundamentals uh, squared away in the fishing market, and you know, in a time to where gas prices are what they are. Uh, utilize some of the closer bodies of water to help keep expenses down so where you can work on some of those fundamentals of casting, understanding how to catch those fish. Um, And and then once you get kind of grounded in that, you know, the the next phase is really, like you said, working that plan, working that business plan to where uh, you're going to be well positioned, um, to kind of take it to the next level. And you're going to see a lot more of that uh, type of conversation coming out of the edge. Uh, matter of fact, we're, we're going to be working on probably an entire DVD set uh, to where we'll bring in some industry experts such as, you know, you remember the podcast that we did with uh, Mike Brooks from Ardent, uh, where he got on here and actually kind of uh, laid out exactly what they look for in their pro staff. You know, now we've had Sean on here kind of speaking from the angler's perspective and that'll be a, really a very focused project that we'll be working on. So uh, a lot of great stuff, um, not only from Uh, the people who were doing the interviews with but also from our listeners i mean you know this is information that everybody wants to know
0: all right folks we need to take another quick break when we come back you're going to go on the inside edge this week we have bob luff right here
2: on the edge you've got the truck you've got the toys now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both it's the toe and stole receiver hitch by b and w you want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 toe and pounds worth the durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call one best hitch Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Edge, and joining us for this week's Inside Edge segment is resident biologist and editor of the Pond Boss, and that is Mr. Bob Lusk. Bob, thanks again uh, for being part of The Edge. Hey, Aaron.
3: Glad to be here, buddy. Thanks.
1: Well, you, you know, Bob, one of the things that I grew up actually really cutting my teeth on uh, with regards to bass fishing, and that is the topic of fishing at night. And, you know, of course, that is, uh, depending on where you're at, uh, that's really upon us. And I was hoping uh, that you could maybe break some of the the stereotypes or the myths as far as bass feeding at night. Um, you know, do fish actually see at night, and if not, or if so, uh, how do they actually
3: go about feeding? Well, you know what? Yes, they do. They do see at night. Uh, some fish, they're almost dependent on sight, but what's really, really interesting is they don't have to rely on it 100%. For example, largemouth bass, you know, they, they love to be able to attack something that they can see. But, you know, if you've, ever, if you've ever been under the water 10 or 12 feet down, very, very rare is the lake where you can see further than three or four feet away. And it's not much different for that bass. That bass can't see any farther than the water is clear. So what nature's done to give them a little bit more ammunition, so to speak, is they have the lateral line. You know, every fish that you pick up and look at, if you look at it, it's got what's called a lateral line. And that is a a hollow tube that goes all the way from the tail up into the gill plate, and then it turns, and it goes in, and it gives signals to the brain. And what it is is a little hollow tube, and any time the water moves or the pressure changes, it sends an impulse to that lateral line, and then the bass's little bitty, tiny brain gets to interpret it. Now, fish operate basically off of two different premises. One is instinct, and another is conditioning. The instincts in a bass, for example, if there's something moving in the water, let's say we throw a rock in the water or we throw a spinnerbait in the water, their first tendency is to go investigate it and look at it. And if it looks like something they want to attack or eat, they will. Where catfish, on the other hand, flee from it. They run away. Well, what the lateral line does is it gives them a sense of movement in the water for something that they can't see. So if you throw a rattle trap 25 feet away from a bass and, the, and that bass senses that movement and is hungry, it'll move 25 feet so it can come look at it and see. So you don't necessarily have to drag it right across its nose to get it to strike it. That's what the rattle trap does and some of the other you know noisy baits is to make that lateral line move so that that fish will investigate it. Different fish are adapted in different ways. Channel cat, for example, and blue cat, and any catfish with whiskers, which I guess is all of them, those whiskers are covered with little tiny taste buds. Well, when something hits the water, you know, like a shrimp on a hook, you know, and it falls, that catfish is going to run from it most of the time. But it's going to turn right back around and come in and investigate it, and it'll tap it with its whiskers to taste it. If it likes the way it tastes, then it'll eat it. Now, if the catfish is really hungry, it will attack just like a bass does. You know, walleye, for example, they've got that great big lens in their eye, That's so that that lens can absorb faint amount of light so they can see better in the dark. A walleye can see a lot better in the dark than a bass can, you know. So all these different creatures have have different methods and ways that they can sense what's going on in the water and either investigate it to go eat it or flee from it or feed on it. And their instincts are feed, flight,
1: or fight. So hence, that's the reason perhaps like when you're catfishing, Uh, more of the scented type baits obviously work better because they can tap that with their whiskers, whereas really you kind of have the the best of both worlds with a largemouth bass because they are sight feeders, but they also are able to pick up that vibration perhaps up to 20 to, you know, 40
3: feet away. That's exactly right. Now, catfish, the catfish have a little bit better sense of smell than a bass does. A bass has a sense of smell, but not nearly like what a catfish does. A bass uses its sense of smell totally different than a catfish does. A catfish uses that smell so it can feed better and seek out more more food sources. So, for clear water,
1: is it necessary when targeting uh, a bass to to have that vibration and, and the and the noise, uh,
3: I guess, inherent to the bait that you're using? You know what? If you and I can answer that question, we're gonna do really <laughs> it. I thought really well. I'd at least try, Bob. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I'll tell you this. A fish doesn't stay attentive all day long. It's only attentive for a short period of time. Kind of like me. And that, <laughs> yeah, yo, you know, we, we all have ADD. Things yeah. like, but, but you know, a, a, a bass, for example, it, it may be suspended in ten feet of water, c- kind of in a uh, almost in a stupor. But and if you don't get its attention, you're not likely to catch it. You know, Ray Scott told me something really interesting one time. He said he watched in several tournaments where these guys would be fishing, not get a hit, and then a guy roar up there in his boat, shut it down, and then catch three fish back to back. And what his theory was, was when the boat roared up there, it knocked the fish out of their stupor down eight or ten feet, made them move around and woke them up, so to speak, and they bit better. And I tell you, from what my experience has been as a fisheries biologist, I believe that to be true. Sure. And I've seen that happen in, in some ponds and lakes that I manage.
1: So in, in closing, Bob, when, when talking specifically about fishing at night, are there certain um, universal
3: truths that you want to apply when you're targeting bass at night? A universal truth is that the more light there is, the better they can see, the more likely they're going to hit something because they can see it. With the less light, like in the dark of the moon, they may still be active, but you're going to have to get their attention with noise more so than what you think they're going to be able to see.
1: So perhaps use maybe like something that's putting off a vibration or rattle inside of a tube or a rattle on your jig in the dark of the yeah. moon, whereas in the light of the moon, you can depend more on the colors and, and just the, the sight. That's what I think. Well, fantastic. Well, Bob, once again, uh, great stuff. Uh, look forward to uh, having you on again in the near future. Uh, any any closing thoughts specific to night fishing? And also, uh, can you provide us a way to get in touch with you?
3: You know, my closing thoughts are that, that just because the sun goes down and the moon comes out doesn't mean that a fish is not going to eat. A fish is going to eat when it gets hungry and the food's available. So I, I, don't, I, I think you can catch a fish at 2 in the afternoon just like you can catch one at 2 in the morning. All you got to do is figure out what it is that that fish wants. That's the problem. You know, that's the hard part, and that's part of the fun of the game. I can be reached. Uh, You can catch me through BassEdge.com if you have a question. Those folks will forward that to me, or you can come to my website. It's www.pondboss.com. All right. Well, once again, Bob, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again in the near future. Aaron, I look forward to it, buddy. Thanks. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at CooksGoTo.com.
2: Welcome back to The
0: Edge. That Bob Luff, man. Catfish, bass, everything. What a neat, he- neat segment.
1: Well, he, he, you know, the guy's just a wealth of information. And, of course, I mean, you know, he is he's not a bass biologist. He is a fisheries biologist. And then, you know, his profession of, of uh, actually building waterways and, and ponds and things like that. Um, you know, I got a lot out of that because, obviously, like I said, I mean, that's, that's what I grew up doing was fishing at night. And I thought his, you know, just his points that bass do see at night, but they don't rely on it 100%. Because, you know, even in the daytime, a bass, their visibility is limited to um, really the, the clarity of the water. So, therefore, they have to have something else uh, to depend on. And I thought his description and his explanation of the lateral line and how that ties in and uh, you know to a bass and then also the comparison to catfish and walleye, um, just great stuff.
0: Yeah. Hey, we got a prize winner, uh, Michael from Cincinnati. Michael's going to get a season one DVD box set,
1: huh? Yeah. So uh, you know, just goes to show you. I mean, we're we're sending that stuff out just as as quickly as what we can, and. Uh had some great responses, so I encourage everybody to make sure that they are getting signed up uh, just via bassedge.com for a lot of these great prizes that were given away. You know, the other way to do that, too, is just by sending in a question to Ask the Pros under the Ask the Pros section, and you're automatically entered into that prize drawing. So, really, there's, there's two different, very easy ways to do that, uh, but make sure you're participating in that and not, you know, not missing out on, on a lot of those great prizes.
0: Sure. And don't forget to look at the latest Fast Edge merchandise. We talked about that. Arden Reels. You got those cook systems. Uh, what else you got in
4: there?
1: Uh, we got, the, you know, the Keel Guard. Uh, obviously, the, Bars. Yeah, the Locker Bars. Uh, of course books. Jay's Books. I mean, we can't even hardly keep those things on the shelf. So a uh, lot of a lot of great stuff uh, coming out through the website. So make sure. The other thing is the e-newsletter. You know, don't forget that.
0: Yeah, and hey, when you sign up for prizes, like Aaron said, make sure you please include your shipping information. That way, if we do decide to read it or... Reward you with a great gift. We know where to send it because that's very important.
1: Yeah, no question. We want to make sure those uh, who take the time to actually send it in that we have a way of getting that out to them.
0: Yeah, and hey, new video clips have been posted for the Ask the Pro section.
1: Yeah, yeah. Those uh, We've been uh, traveling all over the country during our both our filming and our uh, promotional travels, uh, getting as many clips as what we can. You're going to see a lot of those from the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association Anglers all the way to uh, top-ranked pros to some of your regional anglers, uh, all great stuff.
0: All right, everything there, and all you need to do is just go to BassEdge.com and you can access that free of charge. What's up next week? Uh, Next
1: week, we have a surprise. I can't announce it yet because it's not confirmed, but uh, I can tell you one thing, you're not going to want to miss the interview when it does happen, so I'm going to be working on that profusely by just getting back in town. Uh, We're going to get that squared away here, and hopefully that'll take place next week. If not, it'll be the week after, but we'll be sure to have a great show
0: alright buddy alright well folks we need to get out of here don't forget BassEdge.com for all your fishing needs Aaron and I will see you right here next week right here on the guest
2: Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible Ditch Witch Mother's Waxes and Polishes V&W Trailer Hitches MegaWare Keel Guard Cook's Tackle Management Systems Ardent Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.